0: This week, we are um, continuing in our ser- sermon series, The Church's One Foundation. Um, we are still in chapter 3, and if you would, I ask that you will please stand for the reading of God's Word. Chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, we'll start our reading at verse 14. I hope to come to you soon. But I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how you ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillow and buttress of truth. Great indeed, we confess. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. This is the word of God. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. You may be seated. Join me for a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive from you Father, I personally thank you for using me as a vessel to speak life and hope to your people. I pray now, God, that you would uh, calm all my fear. Allow me to speak with clarity of thought and mind. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So last week we found Paul uh, gave qualifications for the deacon, So Paul has now given the qualifications for the two ordained offices of the church, the elder and the deacon. Now he's moving in what in my Bible subheading is called the mystery of godliness. So today we're going to talk about the mystery of godliness. So what is this mystery? I would propose to you that this mystery Paul is talking about is not a mystery at all. In fact, Paul himself explains the mystery in the next couple of verses. He starts this particular passage by saying, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I am delayed, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillow, a buttress of truth. In other words, as children, as believers, as Christians who belong to the household of God, we're not allowed to live any way we choose. Uh, we, we, we are to live to the standard in which Paul describes in this verse. He calls the household of God a pillow and buttress of truth. So what does Paul mean when he calls the church a pillow and buttress of truth? In architectural terms, the pillow is well known for holding up the roof, keeping the roof from falling. The buttress is there to help stabilize the roof and the pillow. And just as the pillow stabilizes the roof and the buttress, the pillow, and the walls, so is the church, the household of God, to hold steady to the truth of God. The church is the people of God, and as the people of truth, we are to oppose false teachings and everything contrary to the word of God. As the foundation of truth, the pillow is what keeps the roof in place and holds up high the standards of truth for people to see from far distances. does You know, the church, when they put up pillows in buildings, the pillows hold the roof up high. And when we're driving down the road in our cars, we can look and we can see the roof of the building. It's held up by the pillows. And so the church, too, is to hold up high the truth of the church, of God. We are to hold up high the truth of God. We don't have any other that we can stand on other than the truth. Let's look at how Paul talks about this mystery, how he talks about the truth. Verse 16 says this, he was manifested in the flesh, in the flesh. He says this, he is manifested in the flesh. That means that he was revealed to us in a human body. And in Philippians chapter 2, in verse 6, it says this, who thought, who though, he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born like, like in the likeness of men, and 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 being formed in human flesh, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of of death, even the death on the cross. So he took a physical body and he came down to be manifested in the flesh. And John 1 tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He took a human body. His human body that died on Calvary's cross, there was a real body on Calvary's cross. There was not some Figurative thing. It was a human body that was on Calvary's cross. And in this body that he took, he became two natures, divine and human. He was fully God and he was fully man. Christ bore our sins. Christ was crucified and buried on our behalf. So it was a real body that went to Calvary for us. It was a real person, it was the likeness of men so he knows what we go through. Look what he says, secondly. Then he says he is vindicated by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit proved just who Jesus Christ was, who he claimed to be, the Son of God and Savior of the world. Anybody happy about that? That Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he's the Savior of the world. This vindication was not a one-time vindication. No, this happens throughout Christ's ministry, throughout his earthly ministry. We will see that when he performed miracles, the, the spirit, before he performed a miracle, the spirit vindicated him at his baptism. When he was taken down in the water, scripture tells us that God spoke, This is my well, my, my this is my son who I'm well pleased in, my beloved son who I'm well pleased. And when he spoke, the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. The Spirit was there. The Spirit was vindicating him when he healed the blind man. Y'all remember in John, it says, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered and said, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So when he was healing blind men, the Spirit was vindicating who he was. The Spirit was there vindicating God when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Does anybody remember Lazarus? Lazarus had been dead three days. Jesus shows up, called Lazarus from the grave. Lazarus comes forth in grave clothes, still bound, and Christ says, uh, loose him, And let him go. The spirit was vindicating who he was. Does anybody remember the man, the man that was possessed by a demon and he lived in the graveyard? And when Christ shows up, Christ talks to him. This man could not be bound by chains. But when Christ comes he says to him, he calls out the demon. The demon comes out of him. The spirit was at work vindicating who Christ was. Does anybody remember that, that when, 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 when Christ was raised from the dead, it was the spirit that raised him from the dead. First Peter three and 18 tells us that the spirit, that Christ was made alive by the spirit. When the Holy Spirit made Christ alive, he raised him from the dead. He was confirming everything that Christ did or said was true. Y'all remember what Christ said? Destroy this temple and in three days I will rebuild it. Y'all know the people around him thought he was literally talking about a building. They literally thought he was talking about a temple, but he was saying, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And so what I need us to see is that when Christ was, when the Spirit was made, when the Spirit made Christ alive, it was vindicating who Christ said he was. Isn't that good news, y'all? That the Spirit was vindicating who he said he was. Look at the next thing that it says. It says this, that he was seen by angels. The angels saw his life, his work, and his resurrection, Y'all know that the angels was there when he was born. The angels was there when he was born. The angels ministered to Christ after his temptations. Y'all remember that, right? Scripture says that the angels was there to minister to him. They ministered to him when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Y'all remember his prayer. He said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. He he. They, they said that he his his sweat was like drops of blood. So the angels came and ministered to him. The angels was there when he ascended back to the Father. Y'all, this is good news. This is this is the mystery that Paul is talking about. The mystery of godliness that that he was he was manifested in the flesh. That he was uh, vindicated by. Uh, the Spirit, and he was seen by angels. Then it goes on and says that proclaimed, he was proclaimed among the nations. So look at this. He was announced to the nations. Y'all, that, announced, that announcement is still happening today. The gospel is being preached uh, not only in Jerusalem, not only in Judea, Not only in Samaria, but it's being preached in the uttermost parts of the world. Before Jesus ascended to the Father, he gave the Great Commission, which is found in Matthew chapter 28. He says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So what's good about this great commission is that it's happening right now. The gospel is being proclaimed to this very day. And as a result, people all over the world from every tribe, tongue, and nations are hearing the gospel and believing. Brothers and sisters, we know that the world seems to be in turmoil. Our brother prayed about the violence that's in our cities. Not only is it in our cities, but just recently throughout our country, we have had several mass shootings. Many lives were lost. As a matter of fact, while we're here in peace, there's a war going on. And, be, and it's because that Christ is being announced the gospel is being proclaimed that somewhere, somewhere in some village, a Muslim is being converted to Christianity. It is because uh, of the gospel that is being preached that somewhere on this day, some child is being brought to be baptized. It's because the gospel is being preached that somewhere Somewhere in this world, some wayward child is coming back home because the gospel is being preached. There's there's somewhere, somewhere, because the gospel is being preached, marriages are being reconciled. Somewhere, because the gospel is being preached, Broken hearts are being mended somewhere because the gospel is being preached. Blinded eyes are being opened because the gospel is being preached. Chains of oppression are falling off folk because the gospel is being preached. Somebody's being delivered from an addiction because the gospel is being preached. It's the mystery of godliness. This mystery, brothers and sisters, once we understand it, that the mystery is that Jesus came in human form and that he died on Calvary's cross and that he was raised in three days and he's now ascended to the Father, making intercession for you and I, once we understand that, y'all, it demands a response from us. It demands that since now that we know about this mystery that Paul is talking about. It demands, brothers and sisters, it demands a response from us. It demands that we glorify God with our hands through service. It demands that we glorify God with our lips when we come in and we sing. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And if you know about his goodness, if you are are, are experiencing his grace, then you ought to say so. You ought to use your mouth to tell folk about Jesus. We ought to tell it everywhere we go. We ought to shout it from the mountaintop that Jesus lives. I am redeemed. I've been bought with a price. Are y'all with me today? It's because the gospel is being preached that the world it's no worse than it is. Amen? Anybody happy that, that your children aren't what you want them to be? Huh? But they ain't as worse as they could be? Amen? I know I am. I, I know I am. I, I, I look at my boys and sometimes I, I wish they didn't do this. And I wish they didn't do like I wish they would do this and I wish they would come here. I wish they would do that. But when I sit down and I think about it, I said, God, I ain't never had to go to jail to bail them out. Are you listening to me? And I said, God, God, they ain't really gave me that much trouble. So I began to tell him, thank you, because we prayed long time ago that, Father, that they will live for you. And I believe the prayers and the gospel that's been preached to them, that one day, hello, that one day there's going to be a difference. And if there is any difference in their life, And if there's any difference in your life, if you can look back over your life and see where you were and you don't do what you used to do no more, it's because of the gospel. It's because of the grace. Is there anybody in here glad they don't do what they used to do? Hello? Aren't you glad that he delivered you? He is a deliverer. So it demands a response to us from us. It demands that we use our mind and our bodies to serve Him. We must testify of His grace, declaring and sharing the truth of the gospel. When we get into next week's message, and I'm I'm finished today, when we get into next week's message, next week's message begins to talk about the truth how exactly we are to live out that truth. Today was to get us to know what the truth is, that Jesus is the only way. There's no other way but Jesus. I don't care how I look. I don't care what culture says. Jesus is the only way. If culture does not line up with Jesus, then culture is selling us a lie. Hello? I don't want to get too much into that because they're going to tell us that next week. But the truth of the fact is that Jesus came to earth. He received a human body. Listen, he was vindicated by the spirit. The angels was there and the gospel is being preached. Listen, and he has been taken up in glory, y'all. And guess what? He is coming back again. That's the truth that is the truth. If it don't line up with that, y'all, then it's a lie. We can't co-sign with it. We can't sign up with it. We can't can't put our name on it if it don't line up with that. If they come back and tell you that there's another way, that ain't the truth. That ain't the truth. And we have to be the, the pillow that holds the truth up. As the church, our light ought to shine so men and women can see our good works and glorify Our Father who's in heaven. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, we seek to be light in this world. We pray that as we seek it, God, that you would always, that we would always rely on you for the truth. For you are the truth of the gospel. We pray, God, that as we hold the truth up and as that we understand the mystery of godliness, that we may be examples on how the church should behave. God, we pray that we can serve you in a manner that brings you glory and shows other folk that we are chosen by you and let the world know that we are loved by you. May we be light in darkness and hope in hopeless situations and joy in times of sorrow. May we, the church, be the truth and nothing but the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, or would like to help support the local body of Christ Church in Town, please visit our website at christchurchintown.org.